Hello, and a very good day to you. My name is Jim Harris, and this is Heritage Bible Radio. Heritage Bible Radio is an extension of Heritage Bible Church in Boise, where it's my joy to serve as the teaching pastor. Every day, we devote our radio time to studying a portion of the Word of God so you can know Him better through Jesus Christ and serve Him better through your local church. This week on Heritage Bible Radio, Pastor Jim will continue in the book of Mark with chapter 5, verses 21 through the end of the chapter. After demonstrating his power over the demonic world by casting out the legion of demons from the man across the sea, Jesus and the disciples were sent away by the citizens there and crossed the sea by boat again, and again the crowds gathered quickly around him. Jesus had proven his divine power by healing and casting out demons, but most of the Jewish religious leaders had rejected him, blasphemed, and had started to plot to kill him. But on this day, Jesus encountered Jairus, a local religious official of the synagogue who saw Jesus differently and begged Jesus for help only Jesus could offer. By the end of the day, faith brings more miracles, and Jesus ups the ante by demonstrating his divine power over death itself. Here is today's portion of the message entitled, Power Over Life and Death. Jairus' faith must have been a lot deeper than just enough to make a desperate plea in a last-ditch effort to save his precious daughter. He seems to have grasped the fact that Jesus had power over death. So, here we reconnect again. Mark 5, verse 36. But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken. He's still talking to the woman, just finishing up that conversation. He overhears them say, your daughter has died. Don't don't trouble the teacher anymore. And he said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer, only believe. Now, Jairus had certainly been afraid. He was afraid that his daughter would die. He was afraid that his daughter would die before he could get Jesus there. That's only natural. But he also had enough faith to seek out Jesus. And now that his worst earthly fear is realized, his his daughter has died, he only has his faith left to connect him to the Lord. Now, we're not told any more about the scene along the way to the home of Jairus. It does appear that it all took place in the town of Capernaum. So we know it couldn't have been far. Come with me there in November. I'll show you. We can actually see the ruins of this this place. It's a rather spectacular example of seeing something that is from Bible times. And it certainly seems likely to me that no one in that crowd was trying to be quiet and reverent. And uh, the text actually says that Jesus was overheard what was being said. So maybe over the din of the crowd, his friends had had to say, Jairus, she died. Everybody heard that. Now you got this woman who had risked so much to slither through the crowd to get to Jesus. She was probably a bundle of emotion, joy, probably awash in tears of joy. She felt something she hadn't felt for 12 years. Perfect health. What is that like, come to think of it? Um, 
What happened to her? Did she join the throng and press on toward Jairus' house to see what would happen? It sounds like she had not only her body healed, but also she'd been saved. So maybe she did immediately become a, a literally a follower of Jesus from there. Or maybe she turned around and went back home and told her family and friends what had happened. Either way, she was never the same. And all the glory belongs to Jesus for His miraculous touch and His saving power. And the, the next verse then makes me wonder about something else. So often these passages answer four questions and leave you with eight. Mark five thirty seven. It says, And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. Now, a couple things there. This is the first time that in the Gospel of Mark that he singles out those three, Peter, James, and John. Scripture never explains a why that those three men were sometimes allowed to witness things that the other disciples were excluded from. Jesus took them several times, just the three of them. The the transfiguration is the ultimate one uh, of those. And why would he exclude the others? But we do know, even though we're not told why, that Peter, James, and John were clearly an inner circle among the inner circle of the twelve. Even the, the Greek grammar in this verse implies this inner group. The, we do things in Greek that we can't translate directly into English, but there's a, there's a definite article in front of Peter, James, and John, the brother of Peter. So it's, like, it's as if to say he didn't allow anyone except the Peter, James, John group. He, he lumps them together as one entity. So I wonder... That implies that the other nine apostles were left with the throng of people. Were they right outside Jairus' house? Maybe. Couldn't have been terribly far away. Were they halfway there? Um, uh, maybe the just-healed woman is part of the group now. We don't know. Did they, did they just wait and watch? Uh, did, they, did the other nine answer questions? Did they help manage the crowd of people who wanted Jesus' attention for even more healings? Were they doing triage, lining up people in order of how serious their need was? Um, did that woman just, that was just healed tell her story to everybody? We'll, we'll never know that, but we do know what happened with Peter, James, John, and Jesus. Follow along, verse 38. They came to the house of the synagogue official, and he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. Now, here's a distinction from our culture. Um, Because burial always followed soon after death, and you can understand without normally people being embalmed, that's a really good idea. my Russian friends were visiting one time when I had a memorial service and the person had been dead for almost a week. And they said, how do you do a funeral without a body? They, they associate those things intimately. Uh, but anyway, the, when someone died, there was the immediate public mourning. The wailing was especially loud. It was most often from paid mourners. Uh, when somebody dies in our world, we quietly say, call a funeral home. 
they would say, call the morning service. Bring the mourners in to, 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 to wail. When I was visiting Indonesia and I was in a village way out in the jungle and the house I stayed in was on the edge of the village, I, I was awakened about 3 a.m. one night uh, with this weird set of sounds and it was the professional mourners. Someone had died. That's a, not in our culture, but that's what happened there. Well, Jesus immediately took control of that. He's arrived at the house, sees the commotion, people loudly weeping and wailing. Verse 39, And entering in, He said to them, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. Now, Jesus knew the difference between somebody who was taking a nap and somebody who was dead. All right, that's, he's using it as a figure of speech. He used a sleep because her condition was temporary and it was going to be reversed. 1 Corinthians 15, talking about resurrection. We, we will not all sleep, but we will all be changed. There will be some who will not die before they are uh, taken to be with the Lord in the, in the rapture. So what happens next is an irrefutable piece of evidence that Jesus is indeed what Mark says that his gospel is all about, showing us that he is the Son of God. Look at it starting in verse 40. They began laughing at him. The word laughing implies derision. Now remember, where are they? They're at the house of Jairus. Who was Jairus? He was the leader of the synagogue. Who controlled what went on in the synagogues? The Pharisees. Jesus is on enemy territory here. He, Peter, James, John, and Jairus are the only believers there. They're laughing at Him. But putting them all out, He took along the child's father and mother and His own companions and entered the room where the child was. Taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha kum, that's Aramaic, transliterated for us, which translated means, little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately, the girl got up and began to walk, for she was about 12 years old, and immediately they were completely astounded. Here's where Mark is the only one that includes the Aramaic words. Talitha is a feminine form of lamb or youth and it's like a term of affection so like little girl little lamb kum is an imperative meaning meaning arise and as in all other instances when jesus raises somebody he addresses the person who's raised not just the not just the body brings that person and the body back together now never forget the standards of healing that was set by Jesus and the apostles. We went over this earlier in Mark. Every healing was always instantaneous. It was always complete. It could be done with a word or a touch. In this case, he touched the little girl. Uh, the, the woman touched his garment, or he could just speak a word. Um, it wasn't always even done in the presence of the one healed. He could do it by remote control. Um, and it includes raising the dead. That's why we say there is no one alive in this century who heals 
in the manner of Jesus and the apostles. If you would like this message on Compact Disc, let me know and we'll send it to you. You'll receive the entire message, not just the portion on today's program. You can order by phone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704 or on the internet at hbc-boise.org. Heritage Bible Radio needs your prayers and your financial support. Once again, you can reach us online at hbc-boise.org or by telephone at 353-4036 or by writing to us at 7071 West Emerald, Boise, Idaho, 83704. And if you need a church home here in the Treasure Valley, I hope you'll visit us any Sunday at 7071 West Emerald. For Heritage Bible Radio, I'm Jim Harris. See you next time. Bye-bye.